Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. If you have your Bibles, join me in 1 Samuel 16. I'm going to read more scriptures than I normally read at one time. If you'll keep your Bible open to there, we're going to refer back to these again. Um, pray that the Lord will touch us today. I <clears throat> I have been reading over this particular chapter and this particular story for uh, several weeks and I, I just could not seem to empty out what I felt like maybe was there for us. And uh, so <clears throat> yesterday I had prepared something completely different, but I woke up this morning and, and I went back here and I feel like the Lord just changed everything around and here we are. And I feel like God will speak something to our heart if we'll just but listen to him today. The book of 1 Samuel 16 and 1. <clears throat> and the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Feel thine horn with oil. Can you say that? Feel thine horn with oil. Amen. And go. And I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. Seems like a, <laughs> a fair enough question, doesn't it? <clears throat> and the Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do. Thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to, to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel and he said neither hath the Lord chosen this. And Jesse made Shammah to pass by and he said neither hath the Lord chosen this. And again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. As I have often tried to remind you, the word ready means red, so it's entirely possible that he was a handsome redhead. 
just saying. And the Lord's... <laughs> this is my wife that brought that to my attention many years ago. <laughs> and the Lord's... Oh, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Amen. I want to preach to you today or talk whatever to you today from this subject, out of the past and into the future. Out of the past and into the future. I think I'm safe in in this subject because all of us have a past and all of us have a future. All of us have a past that probably has scars, but all of us also have an untainted future. So let's step out of the past and into the future. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I want to talk about the transition between the reign of Saul and the reign of David. More more specifically, I think, than just talking about David and Saul, I would really rather talk about the man who is at the center of this transition, which is neither Saul nor David, but it is the prophet Samuel. It can't be lost to us that Samuel had a lot invested in the life of Saul, and he never anticipated this situation taking the turn that it did. We should also never forget that Samuel was so truly grieved over the loss of Saul and how his life turned out. it's, It's something that often we remove, not, not on purpose, but it's just kind of by default. We remove the human or the emotional aspect of Bible characters out of our mind when we read them. We read this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. We say, oh well, and close the book. Not realizing that these were real people and that they had real relationships just like you and I today and that their hearts were connected, their lives were connected. And I know that that we all, at least most all, understand what happened in the life of Judas Iscariot and how that he betrayed Jesus Christ and we can shake our fist and call Judas by name, but we can't forget that Judas was really connected to the other 11 disciples and they had really been through a lot of things together. They had a lot of common denominators. They all walked away from their past, their their former life and stepped in by faith into the message of Jesus Christ. And and, uh, no, it didn't turn out well and it didn't happen the way a storybook ending should happen. But we, we can't just forget that somewhere in the stillness of the night when all of this took place and ultimately when Judas had taken his own life by hanging himself, there had to be someone in that camp, I believe that was very saddened because they didn't just lose a disciple, they lost a friend. They lost a friend. And so here is the center of what I wanna uh, talk about today is the fact that Samuel was, yes, a prophet of God, an anointed of God, and he was the voice of God in this particular hour. Saul was chosen by God, anointed by Samuel. 
to be the king of Israel. And so he had a lot going on in this. I started reading at chapter 16, but I want to back up just a little bit for the sake of making a point. I want to back up and look at the two closing scriptures of chapter 15, and we'll have that on the screen The Bible says in the 34th verse of chapter 15, then Samuel went to Ramah and Saul went up to his house to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel, verse 35 is very pointed in my opinion. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. So here were were two men that were not just men that had respective roles in the kingdom of God and in the life and history of Israel, Samuel the prophet, Saul the king, but here were two men that had been brought together by unusual circumstances. If you, if you understand the fuller story, you know that, that uh, it was the people's cry that we want a king, we want to be like others, and so it's these two men that step into very uncharted waters together. I mean, here we are, and and, and God has said, "Well, th- this is what if this is what you want, then this is how we'll handle it." And so He moves on uh, Saul, and He moves on Samuel. So here are two men that are brought together through unusual circumstances. So I. I'm just using my imagination, but I don't think I'm too far off base to say that these men had a unique bond because of the unique circumstances that brought them together. And yet now Saul and his rebellion against God by sparing Agag, the king of uh, the Amalekites, and, and, and everything that happened, and I'm not trying to preach Genesis to Revelation all to you one day here, but everything that has taken place Now we find Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. He never saw him again. I have to believe, Brother Corrin, there were days that Samuel woke up and in his heart he longed to just talk to Saul one more time. But sin separated them. I suggest to you today that there were days in the life of Saul that he longed to be able to talk to Samuel just one more time, but sin had separated. So I don't want to portray Saul as just being so matter-of-fact and a man of such business that he said, well, if this is how it must be, this is how it must be, and he closes the chapter of Saul and just meanders on his way. I don't think that's the case at all. I think we have proof of that in Scripture because the Lord said, how long are you going to mourn for this? How... How many pity parties are you going to have over this? And so it's a, it's a pretty sobering passage of Scripture. And the Bible says in this last verse, he said that, that the Lord even repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. That's pretty sobering. Yet the kingdom of God must move forward. We've got a great big uh-oh on the table. This is not how it turned out. This is not how it was planned. But the kingdom of God still must move forward. The people have requested a king and God has honored that request. He has granted that request. So now there's a vacancy and so uh, we have to move forward. So two, you and I have to learn how to move forward and overcome dark and unpredictable seasons of our lives. Amen. We've all been there. Unpredictable things that just, they just barge into your life And I don't mean, I'm not talking about a hangnail. I'm talking about things that change the trajectory of your life, perhaps forever. 
And so we have to learn how to step out of that and move in to what God would have for us to do now. So if we are to discover the fact, if we're ever to discover anything, we should understand that God always has a plan. Always. Despite the difficulties, despite the disappointments that we may face along the way, God has a plan. I can certainly understand some of the hurts, and I hope you don't mind a little personal illustration here or just a peek, but I can personally understand, I think, some of the hurt and disappointments that Samuel encountered. He had put his life, his trust, his confidence in a man by the name of Saul who looked the part, by the way, and a lot of things were all coming together. This all looks right, and and people are singing his praises. He was accepted of people, and, and one of Saul's first orders of business, if you know the story, certainly came off without a hitch, and so it was apparent that Saul was a natural leader, but it did not turn out the way they planned. I can say to you today that several ministers and ministries that were tremendous influencers in the early years of my ministry have not ended well. And I have had to reconcile that in my mind. And, and, I, and, and, and there was, has certainly, have certainly been seasons of mourning, seasons of wishing so desperately that, that these people were not in the circumstances that they were in, but they are. I know what it feels like to suffer the bitter sting of being disappointed by the decisions that other people have made in their lives. I understand that. However, I have also had to learn how to, to not allow myself to become so tethered to that disappointment of yesterday that it affects my tomorrows. I'm not talking about being hard-hearted, calloused, and wiping my hands and say, well, that serves them well. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about pain and grief and and uh, this, almost the spirit of disillusionment. But I also understand that I cannot just camp out at the feet of someone else's failure. God has called me for a purpose and I have to realize that I've got to step out of that because God has a future for me. I've got to step beyond that and step into the future that God has for me. I can't get tethered to that. Why? Because God always has a plan for our future. Amen. When you live in that confidence, then we can move forward. We can move forward through the pain, through the disappointment, and discover that God invariably has something waiting for us. And so when some people become trapped by their past, you know people that have been trapped by their past. You may have been trapped by your past. As a matter of fact, you may be trapped by your past. And life just stopped at that particular day, that moment, that hour, that X on the calendar just froze everything in time for you. I believe I'm also speaking to others who have decided that that I've got, to, I've got to cut the tether here. I've got to cut myself loose from this mooring and I've got to discover that there is, there is some wind somewhere else that, and my sails are now all down, but there, there's a wind somewhere that can feel this sail again of my life and it can give newfound direction. Praise God, amen. And so I, I pray that the spirit of the Lord will help us in this today, that we can that we can come out of the past and we can step in to our future. Samuel learns an important lesson during the transition from Saul's reign to David's reign. 
he learned that before he could ever step into the future, he was going to have to get over the past. You know, sometimes, you know, we really want people to love on us and we want people to hold us and coddle us and, and we all need that. But, you know, every now and then we just need people to walk into our lives and say, snap out of it. I'm not trying to be unkind, but I mean, there, after a while, you gotta put away the balloons and you gotta blow out the candles and just say, hey, if you intend on getting on with life, you better start now because the clock is ticking. And so we gotta move past that. And so he had to, he had to get past his future. If he was ever going to, he had to get past the past. If he was ever going to experience a future, specifically, he had to learn to get over the grief of the things that had been. You know, there's an interesting passage of scripture and I've heard it taught many ways, but let me just borrow this, that when the temple was destroyed and then rebuilt, the Bible says that, that the, the joy, the cries of the joy or the victory was almost drowned out by the, by the cries of the sorrow of yesterday because the temple was not what it had been. There was a generation that was mourning what had been, and they were drowning out the, the, the joyous victories of what was now. Amen, and you know what? I, I, figure, I don't know a lot about life, but I have figured this much. You can't go back. No matter, how, no matter how hard you try, you can't get back, not even 30 seconds into history. You can't go back, and so whatever was, was, and if that is dead and gone, then we need to have to figure out how to have life on the other side of this. Uh, again, not trying to throw too much in the pot this morning, but Adam and Eve made a horrible decision and they paid a supreme price, a price that has affected all of us. But they had to figure out how to live on the other side of the garden, had to live outside of paradise. And, and in fact, they did, and we're here today because of that. And so we have to do this. We ourselves have to learn to do this. Just like Samuel, we have to embrace what God has for us now. It's verse one, the Bible says, I read to you a moment ago, and the Lord, excuse me, and the Lord said to Samuel, how long without mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? And here was my scripture that I, or the portion of scripture I had you repeat a moment ago. He said, fill thine horn with oil and go. And I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. And, and I, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And I, I, that phrase, fill thine horn with oil and go. And I, I'm not here to try to take this passage out of context, nor I, do I have any desire to add anything to the word of the Lord, but I just do have a question I'd like to propose to you this morning. Is it possible that Samuel the man, because no matter how anointed of God he has been in his life, he still lays down in a shell called flesh. So is it possible that Samuel the man looked at the failure of Saul the man and just reached the conclusion just drew some conclusion in his mind that I am finished with this anointing business. I'm done. This didn't work out. Don't you think it's possible that somebody was looking at Samuel and said, aren't you the guy that anointed this man? Are you the one that, weren't you the one that used all the oil in the business? And, and I mean, I don't think I'm without 
justification here. So let's just look at this. If you go back to the place where Samuel anointed Saul and read the story of Saul's anointing, it is a very incredible story. Amen. He found him, A, hiding behind the stuff. Amen. And then he told him, I'm not giving you everything detail for detail, line item for line item, but then he told him this. Samuel said to Saul, he said, now you're gonna leave here and you're gonna meet three men. One's gonna be carrying three kid goats, one's gonna be carrying two loaves of bread, one's gonna be carrying a bottle of wine. And when you meet these, they're gonna give you two loaves of bread when you come to them. And these are pretty specific instructions. And so as a matter of fact, he turns and walks away. Here come these three. They're carrying what they said he said they would be carrying and they gave him what he said they would give them. And so that's pretty incredible. That's exactly how this unfolded. Then he said, we're talking about, remember now, this is pre-Saul as we know him. He was just an ordinary man on an ordinary day. I often have said that. Then he said, you're gonna meet a group of people and when you come across these people, these, these people are gonna be prophesying. Okay, so Samuel, Saul's taking notes. Okay, we got three kids, two loaves of bread, one bottle of wine. Okay, next. You're gonna come across the group and they're gonna be prophesying. Okay, group prophesying. And he said, and then the spirit of prophecy is gonna come on you. Don't you, can't, can't you just see him look up above his glasses? <laughs> what? So run that last line past me one more time. And he said, you're gonna see this group and they're gonna be prophesying and when you meet them, the spirit of prophecy is gonna come on you and you are gonna be prophesying. These are pretty remarkable, pretty remarkable details. And, and, and then he said, and at this moment, when that happens, at this moment, you Bible thumpers are ahead of me. <laughs> he said, at this moment, when that happens, thou shall be turned into another man. And the scripture says he met these groups and he met this group and when he turned to walk away that another spirit of God came upon him and he was never the same from that moment forward. So this is pretty specific, a pretty extraordinary season that Samuel says this is gonna happen and it happens. And he said, and this is gonna happen and it happens and this is gonna happen and it happens. And now he's standing in the ash of all this failure. And I think that it is entirely possible because I know human nature because I happen to be a human most days. That he could have thought against all of these odds did I make the wrong decision. And I'll tell you what, at the risk of ever getting into this business again, I'm done with the anointing business. I'm, I'm asking you that, I'm proposing this, and I'm not trying to link these in some new stream of theology here, but the Bible says in Psalms 137, that when the children of Israel were held captive, they got so discouraged that they hung up their harps in the willow tree. I mean, the thing that had brought such praise to God and adoration to God, the thing that they felt so endeared to and impassioned about, they hung it up. They just said, you know, have you ever heard people say, I'm just hanging it up. I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure this is where it derives from, but that would preach pretty good. 
I could have found just some, one, one Greek word just to have hooked that on. I'm just gonna hang it up. I'm just done. This is over. I'm finished. And, 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 and then the Lord says, how long are you gonna mourn for this? How long are you gonna cry over this? The kingdom is in limbo because you, sir, have decided that you're done with the anointing business and you're not gonna follow my plan and you're, you're not, I'm just giving you something to think about here. You can, you can go home and chew on this and, and, and not chew on me. How's that? <laughs> it's popped right out. Sorry about that. But he said, sir, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. There's a kingdom call. There's a kingdom cry that is going forth while, while you're trying to figure out what you're going to do, while you're weeping over Saul, while you're beating yourself up, while you're trying to figure out if, if you made some mistake somewhere along the line, the kingdom is in limbo because I have rejected Saul. We are not going back there, no. We're not going back. But the kingdom has got to go forward. So how long are you going to mourn for Saul? And so he says, here's what you need to do, Samuel. You need to fill your horn with oil and you need to go. Amen. I'll tell you the fact that the fact remains in scripture that you can find this scenario at least more than once. You can find Elijah under a juniper tree that's saying, it's enough. I just can't do it. And the Lord says, you need to get yourself together. You need to wash yourself. The angels are coming to feed you and you need to get up and go. I'm preaching hopefully to somebody today that says that, that, that Lord would say to you today, how long are you gonna just tie yourself down to yesterday? How long are you just gonna tether yourself to yesterday's decision, yesterday's circumstances? Maybe it was your fault. Maybe you had nothing to do with it all. I'm talking about stepping out of our past and stepping into our future. Fill your horn with oil and rise and go. That is where we are today. You have to stop mourning at some point. Change is, change is unsettling for most, even if it's changes that we like. I've always considered myself an agent of change. I've always been encouraged by positive change. And if there's anything that I've come to understand about life and especially kingdom life, the only constant is change. And that creates a great struggle among many, many churches. Not so much with us, but every now and then it still rears its ugly head. But if we are going to be where God wants us to be, which is available, then we have to be open to change. As a church, we are constantly monitoring the ministries of our church to see what's working, what's not working. Because you see, we don't wanna fall into the trap that if we've ever done it one time, then we need to do it for the next 100 years. We need to do what works as long as it works. And then when it is no longer working, then we have to figure out what will work. And, and so we're constantly monitoring the ministries of our church and we're trying to decide what is... Uh, our ultimate goal, I should say it this way, is that we wanna be effective in what we're doing. And so the moment something loses its effectiveness, we, we, we need to figure out what's gonna, what, what we need to do to move beyond that and move on to the next thing. And so we don't wanna ever do something just for the sake of doing it. 
And sometimes things lose their effectiveness. Amen. How many people remember the penny march? I lost a bunch of you, but the, the what? A penny march was, was, was pretty effective when you could buy a loaf of bread for a nickel. Gas was 20 cents a gallon. It was a pretty effective little fundraiser, a penny march. If we had a penny march today, the end result, we would be saying, who's gonna count all this? <laughs> who, are we gonna, who are we gonna get to count all this? Who's gonna roll all this up and haul it to the bank and go through the third degree that you often have to face when you do all that? And so somewhere along the line, it lost its effectiveness. Are we throwing rocks at our elders? Are we being disrespectful? No, 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 no. It just became ineffective and so we moved on to something that would fit the day and so we had to, we had to keep going because of that. The church is constantly in a state of flux, not confusion. Not confusion, but we are in a state of flux. And so, so no matter what we're doing, don't drive the tent stakes down so deep that we can't change that. Amen, we need to move, we need to change. And so often it seems that about the time you get one ministry of the church just running smoothly, something comes along and mandates a measure of change. So we adjust and we just keep moving forward. We knew that one way that we can be used by God is to help People take the next step in their life and in their relationship with God and gain a passion for ministry. And so if we did not have sometimes turnover, if we did not have sometimes vacancies in our, in our church, I'm not just talking about empty spots in the pews, but vacancies in particular positions, then we may not ever discover sometimes some untapped talent Here's something that I've watched through the years with great, a great measure of amazement. I have watched vacancies come and you think, what in the world are we gonna do? And then out of the clear blue, somebody rises to that challenge. Someone that you never even thought about perhaps and, and God had tapped them. God had been dealing with their heart. God had been stirring their soul. Amen, we have often, uh, we have often monitored uh, our congregation and, and, and asked people, what, what area of ministry are you interested in? And I've never ceased to be amazed that some people would have an interest in an area that I never would have thought they would have had an interest in. So here's, that's the beauty of the kingdom of God that just because we've always done this, we don't always wanna continue to do it just this way. It's gonna mandate some change. And so I've watched those vacancies come, then watch others rise to that occasion and it seemed that, that God would, would allow them then that season of time to grow in the Holy Ghost. And so we endure perhaps what some may deem as instability of, to, to bring something else into fruition in our lives. And so when something changes, you know, we love songs that we already know the words to. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw our praise team under the bus here for a minute. I'm just gonna use them for a minute. We love songs that we already know the songs to. I mean, it's convenient. We already know we have to look at the screen. We can close our eyes and worship the Lord because we know it. And about the time we get comfortable, you know what they do just to aggravate you? I'm on to their system. They learn a new song. 
Now I gotta open at least one eye and glance at the screen. But you know what? When I, when I get over the past, when I get over the fact that something has changed and I read the words of those songs and see the ministry of that song, I'm so thankful that somebody pushed me, pushed me a little higher. Amen, pushed me a little bit higher and I'm thankful for that. And, and, and when, when we have those that, you know, years ago we started using some of our young men in our, in our youth and action services on Wednesday night and, 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 and they would get behind this pulpit and they would be so nervous, their knees are knocking together. But, but you know what, we just leaned in with them and, and you know what, they gave us all of seven or eight minutes of their best. It's possible that some drove home from church Wednesday night and said, well, that was a waste. Took me longer to get to church than we were even at church. Hang on just a minute, Sally. We're trying to create something here. We're trying to do something here. And a few months later, they walked back to this pulpit. The knees are not knocking quite as loud this time. We got 12 minutes that time. But what's happening is something's growing. Something's coming alive. Something's waking up. Something is stirring. Something is happening. And you know what? It is for our betterment. And you know what? Now, what the, you know where I'm going with this. And now those same men stand behind this desk. And you know what? When we, walk them, we watch them walk from the chair to this desk, we understand one thing in our mind. We about to hear something now. We're gonna get something out of this today. Why? Because we were willing to stay in a state of flux long enough to let something else be born. We gotta come out of our past and step into the future. Samuel, I know it's different. I know this is not Saul and I know you're in disgust and you've hang, you're, you're hanging your horn upon the nail but he said get it down and fill it up with oil. Amen, I, I've already said this two or three times but, but uh, one, of the, one of the primary uses for the horn was not for oil but it was for water. Amen. And so when you were on a journey and you come by a cool stream that was the primary use for the horn. But he said, I want you to take the horn and if there's any water in it, dump it out, put some oil in it because guess what? We're back in the anointing business. Amen, I, I've gotta move on. Amen, Samuel was unsettled at the change that was happening in the kingdom and that's natural. That, uh, we, we, we grieve over the loss of friends and we, we, but we have to trust in the Lord. Samuel was grieving over the loss of Saul, but the word of God came to Samuel and that word is clear. We must move forward. We must move forward. And so he learned that he had to get over his fear that doing God's will is more dangerous than not doing God's will. Oh, let me say that again. He had to figure out that doing God's will is not nearly as dangerous as not doing God's will. And sometimes, and I hate to say this today, but it is nonetheless true. There are churches that are run aground, and I don't mean one or two. There are churches that are run aground because they are not willing. They are not willing to continue to step as the Spirit of God moves. Amen. The, the man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by every word that proceedeth. 
amen, proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God didn't just speak in 1920. He didn't just speak in 1919. He didn't just pour out on the day of Pentecost. He didn't just pour out in 1950 or 1940, but God is pouring out today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, he is. And so we must move forward because the most dangerous thing we can do is not to do the will of God. Amen. And so verse two, Samuel said, well, how can I go? He said, if Saul hears it, this is pretty uh, legitimate question. He said, if Saul hears it, he's gonna kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with thee and say, I'm come to sacrifice to the Lord. One thing is for sure, when we have a question, God does have an answer. Jonah thought it was safer out of the will of God, but he soon found out, no, 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 no. I hate Ninevites, but that's where I better get. Amen. Well, he did. God told Abraham, get up and go to a land that I will show you. Wow, that's pretty vague instructions. He told Samuel, go to Jesse's house, and then he said, when you get there, I'll show you what to do. You see, there is that consistent thing we find about God. You move and I'll be there. You do and I'll do. You give and I'll give. And so he said, he said to the prophet, he said, you go to the widow woman and you tell her that you want her to bake you a cake first and, and you do this first and then I will move. And God puts us in that awkward, proactive state, amen. But he found out that God can and indeed will do exactly what he said. So he said, rise and go to Jesse's house. And how should I do it? He said, this is how, this is one way. This is one thing that'll work. Take a heifer with you and say, we're going for a sacrifice. And, 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 and at that sacrifice, invite these boys to come, which leads us to something else that Samuel had to get over before he could step into God's will. He had to get over the fact that God was going to have to check with him before he decided to do something. Testing one, two, three. See, God doesn't have to check with us. He doesn't have to get our permission nor our opinion. And so he comes to the sacrifice and for, so I can save a little time here. I'm not gonna read all these scriptures. So he calls Jesse the sacrifice and he tells him this is what we're gonna do. God's gonna choose a son, a leader out, a king out of your sons and so bring your sons and so you know, he brings him Eliab, the, the first choice, and God didn't reveal his total plan to Samuel to see if he agreed with him. Samuel just walked really in partial darkness on the way to Jesse's house. Wouldn't that be a fair assessment? He walked in partial darkness. I don't really know what's gonna happen. I'm just told to go here. He had general direction, but not specific instructions. Wow, that sounds familiar. God doesn't always check with us before he decides to do something. He gave... Samuel, general directions, amen, general directions. Lord, let's pray for mercy. <laughs> Gave general directions, but he did not tell him who to anoint as king. <laughs> I've, I've been right there. <laughs> I have been the holder and the holdee. I've been right there. <laughs> In your name, sweet Jesus. Um. <laughs> Will you come back to church with me now? He gave Samuel general directions, but he did not tell him who to anoint king. 
He just said, go to Jesse's house and get ready. Get, get set up, get your oil, get your horn. Be standing there, be standing. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I, I don't know what the answer is and I don't always know why God does what he does but I do understand this about human nature. It is real easy for us to get the roles reversed. We often see ourselves as the architect and God as the builder. <laughs> We're gonna lay it all out here, Lord. And if you would just do this, 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 and this, oh, my life would be wonderful. We lay out the plans and that's what we want God to do about the church and our careers and our family and we expect God to do it. We've got it all backwards. God is the designer and our task is to discover his will, his will. He makes plans. We do the work. Through the years, I have been privileged to be a part of a lot of committees, both in local churches and on an organizational level. And there is, there really is a dynamic that can happen if you are not very careful. We can plan things and then ask God to bless them. But what we really need to do is find out what God is blessing and then step into that vein and say, I want a cup of that, that God is touching and God's blessing, amen. That is how it ought to be done. We've got to find what God is blessing and step into that. God made the plan. Samuel followed the plan. He had to get over what happened with Saul. Don't you think there was a little bit of fear I mean, I've already been here. Lord, I've already done this. I've anointed a man much taller than this. I've anointed a man that looked a whole lot like, more like a leader than this guy. So there was a, these obstacles that he had to face. There was one more obstacle at least to encounter before Samuel could totally step into God's perfect will. As a matter of fact, this is something that all of us will encounter at one point or another in our spiritual walk with God. Samuel had to get over the hesitancy. Now, stay with me here. To do something that doesn't make sense. We all like to do sensible things. So that even, under, even people that don't understand could look and, and possibly say, well, I, maybe there's room for it. But when God calls on you to do something that doesn't make sense, because here's, here's Eliab, and can't you just see Eliab's coming? I mean, he's a strapping young man. The Bible is pretty clear on his directions. I could almost just see Samuel taking the top off the horn. Here he comes. I mean, he looks like a leader. Look at this. He's, oh, no, not, not him. <laughs> put the cap back on the next one well he's not a liar but, but just maybe no 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 not him and they said we will not sit down until you bring your last son and finally here comes David can you just imagine the innocence of David he might have been even playing his heart coming up there and Samuel's going oh my word Oh, my word. We have stood all of this time. He's already taken that cap off and on that horn of oil how many times? And he's standing there in frozen fear. And God says, this is the man. There could have been something in Samuel that said, but what about my reputation, God? I mean, it's already under question. It's already under question. But in the end, Samuel did in fact anoint David. He was a man after God's own heart. 
And when you study the life of David, you will soon discover that he was a man with a godly heart. If you study the life of David, you'll see his highs and lows, you'll celebrate victories, and you'll weep at his failures. If you look deep into his life, you'll learn something about the way, of, the way God moves and the, and the kind of people that God uses. Because as you watch all these things unfold in his life, it's important for you to always understand one thing. Israel would have never had its greatest king, are you hearing me? If Samuel had not been willing to step away from the things that he failed at in his past and discover that God had something brand new for him in his future. I know we've mentioned Saul and David a lot, but my focus has been Samuel. And so Israel would have never had its greatest king if, if somehow Samuel wasn't able to say with maybe a trembling hand, I'm gonna pour this oil on the head of this boy that doesn't even look like a king. But because he was willing to step out of his past and into his future, he turned the fate of Israel around. Amen. He had to get over himself. He had to get over himself. He had to come to terms with the fact that God doesn't have to check with us before he decides to do something. He had to get over his hesitance to do something unorthodox. And think about the impact all of these things had together. I believe if you look at all of these things systematically, they equal to one thing, and that's faith. David had faith that this is gonna work out. And the writer of Hebrews 11 and six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we can substitute grief and fear and control or intellect for faith, but when we do, we will not please God. So we have to step out of our past and step into our future. And when you do, and this is the bottom line of what I've been driving at, when you do, you may realize it's not all about you. Because Samuel changed the lives of people he never even lived to meet because he obeyed God. Let's stand today. What faith. What faith. Just in the history of this church, just in the history of this church, our forefathers could have no way of knowing what their faithfulness would do. Their faithfulness made it possible for someone they never met to be able to come here and find salvation. What a God. What a God. Because someone was willing to risk the unorthodox. Someone was willing to get past yesterday's failure and step into today. I'm here. You're here. Amen, I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? Would you slip your hands heavenward and let's just love the Lord together in this place today. In Jesus' name, oh, how we love you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.